Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Current Account Podcast. I'm Hamsini Karthik. Today we have with us a guest with whom we're going to discuss one of the interesting trends in the stock market. And here I'm referring to the banking stocks. Banking companies have outperformed market expectations for almost eight quarters in a row. To a large extent, this is what is giving a lot of fillip to the market rally and the confidence that people are resting in Indian markets. I have with me Mr. Shantanu Chakrabarti, who heads the BFSI research team and also a director at BNP Paribas. Welcome to our podcast, Shantanu. Hello. So we've seen nearly eighth quarter of outperformance by banking companies. Uh, we've had most of the private names come out with their results so far. They've effortlessly beaten estimates. Even some like HDFC, which were struggling a bit because of weight, are now beginning to really do well. What would you really attribute the outperformance to? And uh, what are the drivers of growth, if I can so ask? Right. Uh, I mean, if you look at most of the outperformance, uh, the expectation beats have actually come from margins because gr- high growth for the most part was expected. Although there there is a more nuanced point I would make about the composition of the growth. But first things first, I think most of the positive surprise has come from margins. On growth, what has changed a lot is that if you look at the first quarter, for example, the growth components of that were essentially, quote-unquote, prime retail businesses. What I mean by prime is not necessarily low yield, but uh, low-touch businesses. Businesses uh, done with uh, people with, uh, you know, fully documented credit records, etc., mostly to salaried individuals. I mean, businesses like uh, prime mortgages, businesses like uh, unsecured loans, uh, which is personal loans, uh, some credit card. Uh, there's also car loans done to uh, salaried individuals. These were essentially where the growth was. On the corporate side, the growth was in, again, AAA kind of exposures. So, you know, lending to LNT or a Reliance. Mm-hmm. So in other words, uh, risk aversion in segment choices was pretty high in the beginning of the financial year. As we have come into the third quarter, mm-hmm. we have seen through the second quarter a certain change in that. If you look at this quarter's growth composition, mm. home loans have actually started to come off. Mm. Even unsecured lending, other than Kotak, which let's say is growing on a very small base, have come off from the very high growth rates that were being pursued. You are seeing now high growth in CVC, rural, uh, you know, uh, then uh, your small business banking segments that banks were not that keen about, let's say, in the beginning of the financial year. Obviously, the fact that India's macro has been resilient and uh, uh, it's held up uh, through the entire year despite tight monetary and liquidity situation is playing a role there. Uh, And I believe even the deposit side of the equation is playing a role in the sense that when your cost of funds, you're expecting them to go up over a period of time, your risk appetite, especially if you have comfort on asset quality, is expected to increase and that is what you're seeing in play. So that's that's the positive surprise on mix in growth that I would expect. Uh, early signs of that was already available in the second quarter, but this time that trend has very clearly intensified. Let me uh, now sort of take this, uh, continue this along with the point that you made in the beginning as far as NIMS is concerned. Uh, to, to a large extent, today banks are in a position after a near 240 bips hike that we've seen from May to now, and we expect another 
50, 70 bips, we don't know in what range. Uh, to a large extent, uh, there is a certain sense of understanding on the trajectory of uh, interest rates. Uh, there is also an expectation of a certain pool of uh, mid next, uh, mid this year or next fiscal and things like that. So with, with uh, some amount of narrative getting clear, are banks now in a better position to sort of play the risk reward game in a, in a, in a more calibrated manner now? And and uh, is that also the reason why we're seeing that, you know, NIMS are not coming down despite quarter after quarter flagging off to readers and investors that you should be careful on that aspect. Right. Uh, bang on. Clearly, the segmental mix shift has played a role in uh, net interest margins. And even some of the low touch businesses like uh, credit cards and uh, Personal loans are fairly high margin businesses. So that also has played a role. But shift towards more of the NBFC adjacent kind of business lines is, is also playing a role. You spoke about the interest rate trajectory. The interest rate trajectory comes with also a certain trajectory on uh, you know, total money supply available, mm-hmm. total liquidity in the system, and therefore the amount of deposits that are getting mobilized. If you look at the numbers for all banks this quarter, You'll realize that CASA growth uh, is materially lagging a very lackluster deposit growth overall. So for for the first time, this was a quarter where uh, the high CASA banks, the who's who of the Indian banking system also moved their deposit rate upwards because they needed to mobilize money to support growth. Because you cannot have a situation where you're running at 15% credit growth and, you know, 9% deposit growth for an extended period of time, especially as LCRs come down gradually. Yes. Uh, And one more trend I noticed is that once again, there is this elevated focus on bulk deposits. They're willing to open up their purses on the deposits front. But I think uh, the the preference of uh, opening up is also uh, beginning to play out. Let's play the bulk segment, exhaust that, then come to the retail. Right. So uh, bulk, I mean, let's divide uh, bulk into two parts. One is bulk within within the fixed deposit ecosystem, which, as you know, is a very interest rate sensitive uh, Mm. customer group that you're dealing with. And also, uh, you'll see because you know liquidity uh, is is not in surplus, they are borrowing more aggressively from the CD market, CD market, which in any in any case is a plug and play. Uh, you know, at any point in time, when when other sources of money are not available, that that's how much CD you will normally tap. Yes, you're absolutely right that for the first time we are seeing uh, competition heat up within the FD ecosystem as well, and. Frankly, that ecosystem is part of a larger ecosystem of all savings options, investment options available with the public at large. But if you look at HDFC Bank, for example, just moving their rates up in the last quarter has, and and also, as you rightly pointed out, being a little more aggressive on the bulk side of things, uh, offering a rate which is attractive to bulk bulk investors in FDs, has taken their FD uh, volume up by so much in just one quarter and practically one would guess that most of that has happened in about one one and a half months yes. from the time they have moved the rates if mm. that can mobilize you know eight nine billion dollars in that period of time you can understand that availability of money is not going to be a problem but it does mean a certain thing for margin so which is why we feel that uh, you know even with the asset support of mix etc and the fact that liquidity drag is going to come down on margins. Uh, margins are either at top or near top from here on. I mean, there's not enough lay on the asset side for margins to be expanding too much from here on. But let me be very clear, that doesn't mean that deposit growth in itself becomes a challenge to 
credit growth. Absolutely. I think that is a low probability option. Probably. And honestly, I don't think we are in that much of a liquidity constraint either. Exactly. Uh, yes. We had the uh, RBI governor say last policy that if required in the banking system, really. we are willing to open up the taps. So. Right. Uh, you know, if required is here comes underlined because mm-hmm. they, they have three, four priorities going on out here. And there are certain factors outside the control of India which are going on. Uh, so from the external account parity point of view, they also have to think. Uh, but all those things considered, I think your uh, thesis around uh, a fairly benign monetary policy in the second half of the financial year might well play out. You know, we are not very far from the rate hikes, rate raise cycle as well. The only negative surprise that can happen out there is if, if for example, US rates give us a very nasty surprise, then we might have to tow the line. Despite That's... our domestic situation, uh, you know, not being, uh, you know, as much distressed as some of the other developed countries. So Absolutely. that factor is there. The fact is that we are not decoupled and, and we have to realize that. Before we move into the trajectory of, uh, you know, whether the overall performance is sustainable, let's spend a little more time on NIMS part of it, the profitability aspect. Um, as you rightly said, we are nearing the peak or we've peaked in most of the cases. Uh, do you expect the sustenance at the peak for most of FY24? And if at all, you see a little bit of a uh, disturbance or a little bit of a compression in margins, when in your assessment would that play? out either expansion or compression from this point onwards is likely to be range bound of course it will differ a lot and it will depend a lot on both asset and liability mix of the individual banks Mm. but i think uh, you know most of the loan repricing for is done yes liquidity drag reduction is done so the incremental support on asset side is mixed the incremental stress on liability side is me and so from th- that point on, that extent, Q three was a precursor. That right, I've exploited right. both, or rather, I've, ex- I've exploited one part of it almost fully. Right, and yeah. and so once they opened up one lever, the countervailing lever was opened up as well, which is term deposit. So it also gives you a sense of how the banks are thinking and their confidence in the economy. Right, mm-hmm. if they are making these mixed choices, and if the macro numbers are as strong as they have been reported to be. Mm-hmm. then at least it gives you the message that, look, we are not that worried that we will sacrifice credit growth and say that, okay, let credit growth track only deposit. And also one thing is forgotten in all of this, that the deposit number is a much larger number than the credit number. Credit so, number, yes. You know, so for a short period of time, matching growth rates need not be you know too much of an issue. That becomes an issue only when uh, liquidity levels are, you know, on the balance sheet liquidity, the LCRs are, very close to whatever the regulatory thresholds are, but yeah. they are not. So, you know, uh, most of the better quality banks are somewhere between 115 to 120, 125. I mean, Kotak is very high, but others mostly in that range. I'm not saying they're going to go down to 100. Uh, mm. Maybe they have an internal benchmark of 110 or something. So, but there is still a little play there, not as much as we used to have. And term deposit mobilization, I, I would believe that that will not prove to be as much of a challenge as people expect it to be. Not in a 2008-2009 position at all. I think we are much better than where we were a decade ago. Right. So that's that's how I see that. Uh, Has the party peaked on margins? Maybe. Uh, Is the party ending on margins? Probably not. Fair enough. 
how would you want to extrapolate the picture on a total basis uh, let's bring in confidence like loan growth asset quality as well into the conversation um, the last gone by fortnight we saw a little bit of ebbing in loan growth and it's bound to happen when interest rates right. go up it's only sensible that somewhere it has a reflection on growth because the whole exercise of increasing interest rate is to is to sort of bring about a little parity and sense into demand for money so that is that is somewhere beginning to play out asset quality for most banks especially corporate heavy once upon a time banks are now at going back to a decade best levels do you see room for improvement on both the aspects because it was an annual driver in 22 you expect seeing it drive 24 numbers as well i've been looking at financial services for a fairly long time and i i and and studying history also i don't recall any period in india's banking history where balance sheets have looked as clean as they do today mm-hmm. right i mean uh, it is a strange thing today uh, to say on a day when the media headlines are being dominated by uh, a particular story around uh, a particular group but at a broad level for the banking sector as a whole uh, both in terms of what extent asset quality looks like that is the slippage numbers and what's irregular at any level or another the amount of provisioning that is being carried the amount of equity that is on standby indian banks have never had it this good so as i said it's not just about headline asset quality even the underlying uh, you know movement gives us a lot of confidence and we are obviously it, it, this is the beginning of a credit cycle let, let me be very clear about that yes. Yes. if you look at the corporate indebtedness level it's at a decadal low household indebtedness uh, you might feel that with all this retail loan growth would have gone up a lot it's not it's not it's not it's, it's a, still a, a very conservative population yes the savings rate is still fairly high yes right uh, so uh, you know there is a clear opportunity and and of course the the ecosystem of people who can absorb retail credit has been expanding at a fast pace because india's financial inclusion has been changing at a fast pace in the last decade so from a positioning point of view both in terms of how much ammunition the banks carry in terms of their own health own capital they are very well poised the opportunity is also there i am not saying that that part of the credit growth story will start tomorrow i don't know when it starts yes government capex is strong but private capex is still not it's still tepid Still. right but it has to happen at some stage that's yes. that's the point and at that point there is there is an opportunity for value creation for the banks who have survived this with the highest level of resourcing on their balance on credit growth just you know financing more of the nbfc adjacent kind of business lines that we spoke about whether it's sme whether it's cvc and all of that in itself should take care of credit growth at mid teens kind of numbers for at least uh, the better quality banks for the whole of next year is is our uh, opinion from there on uh, you know what happens with the broader credit cycle will become more important and by then if your uh, you know prognosis of a benign monetary policy by the second half of the financial year comes true then deposit growth rates will also pick up pace and uh, expand the palette of segments within which you know the banks can play on credit growth because then you would have seen that uh, home loans uh, people are going a little slower why because it is not the most attractive in terms of margins yes it, it is the best asset quality thing to have within retail but Slowing not product at the end of the day right it's it's a it's a prime product mm. so those those aspects are the moving pieces and 
knock on wood on external account all of that can start to play through in the second half let me uh, let me uh, uh, tweak my question a little more as you're building into fi24 financials how much have you had to revise your fi23 numbers upwards or downwards on uh, these critical parameters right so see look fi23 uh, by the time third quarter comes around half the year is in the bag Yes. So in percentage terms, it may not be such a large number. If you look at the elements of the number where the surprise has come, as I said, 80% of the surprise is actually from margins. Margin. Maybe 15-20% is from growth. The interesting thing about credit cost is it's nothing that there's no new development on the asset quality cycle. It's healthy throughout. We are seeing healthy throughout. And we are in that part of the cycle where how much credit cost a bank wants to give is really in the control of the bank. Wow. Okay. Because it's up to me how much provision I will release, release. for the better quality banks, right? So yes. if I want, a bank can give a zero credit cost, right? Okay. It wouldn't do that because every management would <laughs> have an interest in giving a representative set of numbers and smooth it out on a counter-cyclical basis. But that's why I'm saying that positive surprises on credit costs or for that matter, slightly higher numbers do not phase us too much okay. from an analytical point of view. Because today, credit cost really is in the hands of the management. Because you look, I mean, second quarter, third quarter, some of the banks have given numbers which are like one-fifth, one-sixth of their long-term numbers. Those are not representative numbers. It, it's, it's because a lot of front-loaded provisioning is happening in the early part of the cycle. So you can now move with a lower number and still be very healthy on cover. So on credit costs, practically speaking, for the coming financial year, nothing much is likely to change there. Right. Can it normalize a little bit from the very lows of 23? Yes. But that doesn't mean something is fundamentally changing about the credit cycle. If a certain bank has released more in 23, then in 24, it will probably not release as much. Mm -hmm. If somebody is carrying a large provision, then they'll release a little bit more. And that's that's the entire variation. Frankly, the the source of the variation is not a fundamental one, but you know, earnings choices made in the previous quarters. Great. Uh, the last question then. We've been taught to keep saying this repeatedly, that if something is too good to be true, and this is Murphy's Law, which I'm quoting, if something is too good to be true, then uh, perhaps you should look more if it's really that true. Um, so what would be your... Two, three points of caution that you would want to build in when you're looking at banks henceforth. Uh, where would you turn a little cautious? So a, a lot of the you know comfort around banking and everything we have discussed, frankly, relates to the credit cycle and the monetary cycle. So we are uh, we are when we discuss banks, we are discussing as if uh, it's a running business. Uh, the going concern part of the element is is almost uh, inherent assumption in everything we are discussing. Yes. There are always disruption risks at play and with technology developing the way it is. Banking models are also evolving. You are seeing them uh, make investments. Yes, maybe in an Indian context, fintech hasn't been able to put up the kind of challenge that it has been able to elsewhere. Uh, but then there are uh, certain names within NDFCs with developed tech capabilities who have posed larger challenges. We'll, we'll see how all of that is developed, but we have to also think about the evolution of that competition. And, and when we think about competition, we cannot only think, think about competition within the other banks themselves. We must have a broader horizon and, and the outlook on that on a decadal basis, we have to see. And the second part is when we talk about cyclical comfort today, yeah. let us not forget it has come through a lot of cyclical pain. History may not repeat, but it will rhyme. Yes. At some point, the current health 
is going to create the excesses of tomorrow, which in turn will lead to pain. And this is unavoidable in a banking context. Certain banks will, of course, do well through the cycle, resist both you know, fear and greed better through the cycle, have the right incentives in place for management who do that and perform better through the cycle. In recognizing today's good times, we also recognize the fact that it, this too shall pass. <laughs> cool. So, which means that we are somewhere nearing a stage where high teen retail growth has to be looked at with more dissection. With uh, um, you know, we need to look at the quality of retail growth more than just the headline numbers. There. Yes, the texture of it, and and yes. look, we are in the early part of the cycle. So, whatever still uh, the early know, part of the cycle, you say. Yes, the the sins of the cycle will get built over the over the next three years, five years. We'll see what what happens, right? I mean, that's typical, and and that's what one would expect, right? I mean, uh, because as uh, things become easier and easier, the memories of hard times become more and more blurred. Yes, and vice versa. <laughs> so let's end it there on a good note. In that case, and uh, we hope to connect again. Um, where you would possibly say that this is time now for you to be a little more cautious. Thank you so much for the shout. No, thank, thank you. you for having me.